What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. Now, you know, at Wellpreneur, we love sharing stories of successful wellness entrepreneurs, not only to inspire you and give you some actionable tips, but also to let you see the wide variety of ways that you can grow your wellness business to make different levels of impact, to incorporate into people's lives in different ways, and to fit your own skills and interests. So this week, we're speaking with Bernadette Thomas, who is the founder of the Wellbeing Games. Now, many entrepreneurs that we have on this show tend to work with clients either one-on-one or they'll do group programs or courses. We've had several people on who sell physical products, um, and we've had people on that do corporate consulting and do corporate well-being, and that's actually how Bernadette started out. Bernadette was running a successful corporate consulting practice in the well-being space, and then she had this idea. What if she could make a bigger impact? What if she could create a type of online platform, software product that was actually a team-building activity that helped organizations to increase their well-being across their workforce? Now, Bernadette had no experience in technology or software. This was completely new to her. It was just an idea, and there was tons of learning and a steep learning curve that went along with it. But now the Wellbeing Games has been born and Bernadette is here to share her journey with us. What I love about this conversation with Bernadette is that we're really talking about, you know, whether you're interested in doing software or not, it's the story of a journey of, you know, I have this idea, I want to do this thing, I don't know how to do it, how can I get there? And Bernadette shows such resilience and resourcefulness um, and and just clarity of purpose in really bringing the well-being games to life. So I think you're really going to be inspired and motivated by today's interview. And if you'd like to get any of the links to the things we talk about in this week's episode, you can find them in the show notes at wellpreneur.com. Okay, let's jump over into this interview with Bernadette Thomas, the founder of the Wellbeing Games. Hi, Bernadette. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. So Bernadette, um, you've been one of my clients and we've known each other for a while now. And you've had such an interesting and huge professional transformation that I really wanted to have you come on the show um, to just share that because I think it'll be really inspiring for people and that they can see the possibilities of just how much they can do within well-being. Um, yeah, so I appreciate that, that you're with us. So to start off, can you tell us what it is that you do now? So now I have just set up a business called The Wellbeing Games, and it is a software that we are using with companies and is all around teams working together to improve their well-being, but also just to connect in a different way um, so that they feel more supported around their well-being at work, really. Awesome. So it's software and you're working with companies and it's mainly, it's like a competition for teams on different well-being 
aspects, yeah, right? so work together um, so that you're not, it's, it is a competition in the sense of um, you're scoring points for your team, but it's not competitive in the sense of it shouldn't cause any stress um, because that would defeat the purpose of looking after your well-being. So, um, okay, so you've got a software company now. You're basically running a software company. So tell us about all your fabulous background in developing software. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my lack of. So um, I've never developed software before. Um, I was working in HR for about 15 years or so and decided to leave the corporate world to set up a consultancy around coaching and around well-being, but really looking after the leaders of organizations. Um, and it was during the pandemic this year that I recognized there was something missing for teams and just how do you connect your team and how do you really engage your team when we're all working virtually, um, but also something that could help when you are actually in the office. Because I think that sense of team and connection um, has really been lacking over the past few years within an organization. And I just started looking around at what was available. And there isn't really anything that supports the holistic view of well-being for starters, but then also just this sense of connection. And um, in order to do that virtually, I thought the best way was probably looking at software and thinking about how could you create a product that would allow people to use it remotely. Um, and so started looking into software and um, just talked to as many people as I possibly could around how do you start, like, how do you even build a piece of software? I had no idea at all. Um, so it's taken me about six to nine months to just get my head around, where do you even begin? Like I just was chatting with people. Um, I set up a mastermind session um, with a chief technology officer who has been hugely influential in terms of just mentoring my understanding of software and just that, you know, what's that first step and what do you need to do next? And then when do you actually start testing the product? Um, I was really lucky within my career anyway in HR to have business partnered with a software team. So I did and I do understand software development um, in an agile sense, which I think has been so, so helpful looking at this product and getting it to market. Um, so each stage of the way we were testing with some customers and saying, okay, every single bit of feedback is going to be helpful um, and getting your head around that it's not personal. If someone says, oh my gosh, that is so bad. Um, my user experience was terrible. Um, it's actually really, really helpful to understand, well, what would make it better? And so each stage of the way, it's been iterative. Um, and it's never been about this is the end product from the word go. It was always so this is an experiment and this is an experiment and this is the next test and this is the next bit of um, product that we're going to test with another customer. So um, over the past six months, I have been just building and testing, building and testing, building and testing. Um, and we now are at a point of taking our product to the market and actually selling the wellbeing games to companies. Oh my gosh, it's become a real thing. It's gone from an yeah. idea to, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And I think I love what you said about just it's an experiment and just testing because I think for so many of us in business, that's actually the fastest route 
to figure out what's the right thing to sell or what's the right target market or what's the right way to position myself or you just have to try rather than just think about it and plan. You know, you just have to like put something out, get feedback, then iterate and do it again and do it again and do it again. Yeah. You're so right. Um, I think also having grown up in a world where we kind of expect things to happen and we, especially coming from a corporate background for me anyway, I found it really challenging to switch my mindset to that because you are in a way saying I'm on show here and this is my product and it's really difficult to not take it personally when someone says it's not great and to have in your mind that you're putting something forward that doesn't look amazing that looks really clunky and you know yourself it's not the best but actually to keep reminding yourself it's a test. It's an experiment. You're not actually, this isn't the proper end product. People aren't looking at this and paying lots of money for something that is actually just a test and, you know, just keep seeing it all as an experiment. Um, I guess some other really helpful advice that I was given was, you know, even at this point, don't pour loads of money into getting the best product out there. You need to test it, make sure you have a proof of concept, make sure that it actually works, that people want to use your product before you spend loads of money developing something that may not actually be right for the market um, and that people don't really like using. So each time see it as, you know, what is it that you're really wanting to get out of the next experiment? Um, and seeing that was a massive mindset shift for me to have to make around, okay, you're not going out there with a finished product. You are experimenting the whole way. And I think that's just been, that mindset shift has been so, so helpful for me to really move into that every step is not, you know, this isn't a reflection of, of me. It's actually, this is a great way to test software and to get it to market and to test a product and see, do people like it? How are they using it? What do we need to change next? What's the feedback we're getting? And what what's going to help people using it in the future? Oh, that's such good advice. I think everyone listening can apply that to their own businesses. Like rather than just making an assumption on what you think the perfect product's going to be and spending all that time and money to create it. like And then it turns out to be the wrong thing. Just putting out, what do they call it? Like MVPs, minimum yes. viable product. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that like just really thinking of it, that even when you are at a point, even now going to market, I'm still seeing the product as, OK, this is our next MVP. And then we're going to have another one after this because this is not the end state. And there's no point spending hundreds and thousands on development costs when actually people will still use it. You're still going to get that feedback. And you can still improve it every single stage. Because I think if you went out there and said, this is my product, if someone gave you some bad feedback, it would be really hard to then start changing it. Um, so it's much better to start with what is that MVP? What is that minimum product that someone is going to say, yeah, that works. Okay, so let's develop that further. I think is a really, really great way about going about any business, really. So I'd like to go back I know, to whatever it was earlier this year when this was just becoming an idea, maybe just before this was becoming an idea, because you were working in wellness, but like corporate wellness, but doing coaching and services and training and workshops. And and I think that's a business model that a lot of listeners will relate to because there's a lot of people out there doing that that listen to this podcast. So 
when you started to get that idea, you know, that there was something missing with teams as we started working remotely and the software crossed your mind, what was your reaction? I mean, you obviously didn't dismiss it. Did you think you were slightly crazy? I mean, were you, <laughs> or were you like pretty sure you could do it or what? How was um, that for you? It's really mixed. So I definitely believe in manifesting your thoughts and um, really starting to immerse myself in a world. So I started talking to people about it, people that I really valued their opinion and I really valued their thoughts and I just said, I'm thinking of building something. And in a way, that just really helped to, for me to articulate it, to clarify what is it? Like, what are you actually building? Rather than, yeah, I've just got this idea, I'm going to let it slide. I actually kept talking about it to develop what the idea was, I guess. Um, and it was through those conversations that I really then started believing in myself. And if I just think back to um, that time, it wasn't so long ago, it feels like a, a lifetime ago now, but it wasn't that long ago. And I was thinking about what do I want to do in regards to building a product? Because I had I had been wanting to build something, I just didn't know what. And I had an idea before this, and I really felt an energy shift around the wellbeing games. When I started thinking about just that seed of an idea, I was so excited by it. And that in itself drove my desire to keep being curious and keep thinking about it and keep talking about it. So every time I had a conversation with somebody, I was saying, oh, I've got this idea. What do you think? And I remember having a conversation with um, my family. And I'm very, very lucky. I'm one of eight. So I've got lots of people around me who I can bounce ideas off. Um, they all live in Australia and I'm, I'm in London. So it was a Zoom call and everyone was talking over the top of each other, which is, if anyone's from a large family, they'll understand. You just never get your, your voice heard. And I just said, right, okay, you three and uh, you three, my siblings, I'm going to have a Zoom call with you and I want you to focus on these things and I really want your feedback on these different topics. And we had, I had to get up really early one Sunday morning to have this call with them and we were able to just bounce ideas and they all have different backgrounds in terms of their work. Um, but it was great to just get their input into, well, what would you do if you had... Um, the wellbeing games in your organization how would that look and what would work for you um, and that in itself was just so helpful at that steep at that seed stage to be able to think about you know how a different organization is going to use it because yes I come from a corporate background but actually there are different types of organizations and what what would it look like in each of those and and would this really help different types of teams or am I still just thinking in a corporate mindset um, and so just having those sorts of conversations regularly was really helpful for me to as I said before really articulate and clarify my thought processes but also start getting some things on paper. I feel like you've been so resourceful during this transition which is um, one of the reasons that I think you've been really successful with what you've done to date because you didn't just say I mean there's so many points along the way where you could have just said well I can't do that you know like in the beginning oh I have an idea for software oh my gosh that feels hard like I don't know anything about that I can't do that um, or you know even as you're you know putting out these 
little the MVPs, like the first versions. Um, I think one thing you've done that's really well is just to look and be like, well, who do I know? Who does know how to do this stuff? And I think for most of us, like we do have amazing resources in our network if we're willing to reach out to them. We all have crazy networks um, that we don't even think about. And just to reach out to those people and be brave enough to be open about your crazy idea, you know? And and I think that's, it's scary sometimes to say, hey, I, mean, I can't, you know, to be like, hey, I'm thinking of making this software product. And what if the person turns around? I mean, nobody would do this, but our fear would be they turn around and say, what, you? You can't make a software product. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people have said it behind my back and not to my face. But um, I, I definitely reached out to a lot of people who, it's amazing how supportive people can be. I think that's it. And having a mindset that people do want to genuinely help you is something that it's, it is hard to be in that mindset all the time, I have to admit. Um, and being able to just talk to people who openly will say, do you know what, I can't help you, but let me put you in contact with someone and trusting that as well. So I have had to reach out to people that I don't know. But honestly, it has paid off so much because it's through those conversations that someone will say, well, I can't help you, but actually, let me put you in contact with this person because I think they can. And that, I just never thought that that was the way it would happen. It's not something that I would ever have envisaged would have been the way that I started building up a business is just talking to someone who knows someone who knows someone. Um, but certainly I remember having a conversation with a tech consultancy and I, I had helped the owner of the business years and years ago from an HR perspective and just got in contact and said, Look, I don't know even where to go from here what do you think? And they said, look, we can't help you, but we know some people who would be able to help. Those people have been invaluable contacts for me to have just to be able to talk about tech and how do you build something from a tech perspective? I, I mean, I have no idea about PHP and C SQL and, you know, whatever else with um, coding languages. Um, but I just know enough that I now understand, oh, yeah, well, that person with that skill set will do this. But ha I needed to have those conversations to understand what I even needed because I think I went into it thinking, I just don't know what I don't know. Like, I just don't know. And it's, it's through that constant, like, okay, you don't know this. How are you going to find it out? Questioning of myself just, just to think about, well, who else could I talk to? Um, and there have definitely been moments where I, I have wanted to give up. Like being perfectly honest, it, is, it has not been easy. Um, and I do think it is just about thinking, I genuinely believe that this is a great product. I want to keep going and I owe it to myself to keep on trying. And it's each step of the way that you do find someone who can help you. It's, it's just been amazing. I think that's really nice too that, um, well, it sounds obvious when I say it, but I don't know, at least for me, I have to remind myself of this, that you don't have to figure it all out yourself. Mm. Like 
to make, you know, when you decided you wanted to start a software product, there was no expectation that you were going to learn to code and you were going to create the product. I mean, obviously, but, and so that's kind of an obvious one, but I think there's a lot of areas in our businesses that sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but then you can remember, like, there are people that are expert in this Mm, and they can help me, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's really, it feels really freeing and supportive and lighter when you think about you just need to have the vision. You don't know what you don't know, but you can reach out to people that do know and that can guide you and advise you. And that, um, so you're, even though you're the the founder and the CEO, you're not doing it alone, which is really nice. It's so true. And I think that that really helps in terms of that grounding and that self-belief, because you know that, okay, at some point I can find, I will find somebody and I know I can do this and I know this is going to be great. And I laughed because actually I did have to do some coding. I did have to learn a little <laughs> bit of, <laughs> of coding something because I just didn't have someone on call who could develop the product at the time and I needed something done. And I thought, right, I can do this. And again, it's just having that self-belief that, you know what, you don't have to know everything. And I know this little, I know enough that I'm going to be able to do this bit but I am going to have to call on someone else to do the big, the big pieces of work. But really just having that self-belief in the product itself, that I think that's what's kept me going and kept asking and kept trying to find the right people to support me along the way. So let's talk about the practical side of this, because um, as you know, people listening might be like, oh, wow, it sounds like it's been so easy. And she's just like starting this amazing software company. But in reality, um, we've had the pandemic, you have a family, and you also are still running your consulting business. Yeah. And you're trying to start this up, right? So you're have quite a few things (laughs) in the air. So um, yeah, tell us how, how have you been navigating this? So on a really, really practical level at the very beginning um I I mentioned that I had this CTO friend who I set up a mastermind session with and we have a weekly call still and at the very very early stages he had said to me just create a PowerPoint document how do you want your flow to look how do you want the pages to look um and that's your user journey so you need to create that first that's the first thing you need to do um so Each week, I gave myself little tasks that I knew I had to do because I knew I had this call with him each week. And I think having those set points of you have to do this each week really helped me around my family time, around the other business elements of my consultancy as well, on the coaching side of things. And being able to say, right, okay, I know that I need to get this done this week. And you know, the pandemic was quite brutal with children being homeschooled um, and just trying to navigate life in a different way. But I knew that, okay, I need to just carve out an hour each day or a couple of hours in the evening. And that's going to be dedicated to putting something together each week. I definitely like, am somebody who needs that um, self-care time as well I think we all do I, I don't know why I said I'm the only person but um, certainly 
for me, exercise. So making sure that every day I just got out for a run or did a workout or did some yoga, um, had some meditation time, but things each day that would just allow me to clear my head um, and gain some perspective on things so that I knew, okay, how am I going to have the resources to get through today? Um, and I definitely remember having thoughts around, right, I'm not having a great time with this homeschooling thing. And rather than just blowing over the top, I'm just going to quickly do a downward dog and stopping in the middle of the kids doing their schoolwork, just because I knew I needed to reframe my thoughts and get out of that moment of that stress and just do something that was going to help me to just clear my mind, even if it was just for five minutes. Um, you know, there's lots of moments of you can plan and plan and plan your whole day, but actually until you come up against what's going on that day and however you're feeling and maybe you haven't slept well, that your stress levels are going to be different to how you would plan them to be or thought that they might be. And so you might not get done what you needed to get done that day. Um, and I think it's just about having a sense of, right, keep coming back to your plan each day. And if it doesn't work that day, then what do you want to get out of the next day? Um, and I'm certainly someone who tries not to create a to-do list. I'd much prefer to have a, what do I want to achieve this week list? And, you know, have I achieved some of those things? And some days it was purely, I just want to survive today. Um, I want to want the whole family to survive today. And what do I need to have in place in order for us to survive the day? And sometimes that meant I need to go out and have an hour outside of the house just by myself. And can I do that? Um, and making sure that, you know, I just communicated what some of those needs were each day so that we could just survive. Thanks for being so open about all of that. Um, this year has been such an upheaval for mm. so many of us. So yeah, it's a, it throws like the whole thing, balancing work and life into, well, <laughs> a whole other level. Um, you mentioned this idea of the not having a to-do list, but having a, what you want to achieve list. Can you yeah. tell us more about that? Yeah. So um, I found, I, I used to have a to-do list and it was just a tick box. And um, through a lot of the behavioral work that I've done over the years I know that that's not the best way for me to achieve what I want to achieve each week and by that I look at how do I want to feel by the end of the week or how do I want the business to be looking by the end of this week and it's not about oh I want to sign up a new customer this week or I want to have five new coaching clients this week it's, it's not that sort of a list it's a I'd like to have achieved having my user journey created this week. I'd like to have achieved finding the ideal next customer this week and just putting in place some things that are practical, but actually don't, they will have actions behind each of them. But what are those, those big things that I'd like to achieve this week? Um, and on a Sunday night, I tend to write those down and just say, here are the things that I'd like to achieve this week. Um, so that I wake up Monday morning and I'm, kind of can have a bit of a plan around the week um, I think that's definitely something that I used to struggle with a lot I'd wake up and if I didn't have a workshop to deliver if I didn't have coaching clients um, that I was working with on that day it was a bit oh what am I going to do today and if you you know some days you just wake up and you just don't have any motivation at least with this way of working it's a okay so I'd like to achieve 
having new clients. Well, what am I going to do this week in order to um, create that ideal client for myself? So maybe I do need to go and connect with some people on LinkedIn, or maybe I do need to um, create something that is going to enable people to feel better about coaching. Um, maybe I need to get some testimonials this week. You know, what are those things that I can be doing around achieving that goal of um, of feeling like I have that ideal client and I know what that ideal client is looking like? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, for me, it's just a way of working that isn't about just ticking off a list, but it's about a way of how I'm feeling for the end of the week and have I achieved some, have I achieved something? Um, and even if it's just I've achieved to get up and get dressed every day, then that's that's an achievement. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, how do you handle things like um, social media for your business and personally and email and admin? Because there's always like so much that we could do that's just easy to sit down and get distracted by and yeah. suddenly your work time's gone. So how how do you approach those things? Um, so... For the past year or so, I have had a social media manager um, and I have worked with them for quite some time. It was something that I thought I'd need to just outsource because it's not something that comes naturally to me is just putting myself out there or you know, having something to say every day. Um, I do. I personally cringe at the idea of having my photo up or having to put a video together on social media. Um but I know that it works. So I have someone who says to me, right, this week, this is what I need from you. These are the things that are going out. And we have um, a monthly call where we discuss our topics for the month. Um, but actually, that my social media manager just does everything for me in that sense that I, I don't really do much around social media. I know how important it is. And I think if I had to do it, I would get really bogged down and it would be something that would take away my focus from actually working on the business. So um, that is something that I have outsourced all the social media. It's It was just, I think, really weighing me down and something that um, a little bit like finances, it's not my skill set naturally. And so it's much better for me to outsource it rather than get stressed about it. Um, so that's definitely something that, I have outsourced. I've also um, outsourced a lot of my admin tasks. So I do have a virtual assistant as well. Um, and I think that that's something that I haven't necessarily utilized as much as I possibly could. But certainly um, about a year ago, I did just really go through that list of what can I automate? What can I outsource? Um, and what should I just get rid of? And um absolutely looked at everything all the tasks that I was doing every single day um, and outsourced as much as possible and eliminated as much as possible um, and then automated what I could and I think that that has really helped me to step into the role of CEO you know working on the business rather than in it has I think has been really really helpful for me as an not only as an individual but so personally but on a professional level as well um, so email, I think I have it on my desktop, but I don't have any notifications. So um, I have to actually go and have a look at my email, I have to go into it rather than it just notifying me. Um, I find, especially for anyone who um, is a working parent, that 
you know, the school WhatsApp is horrendous sometimes. So I do switch that off. I switch off WhatsApp um, and other social media throughout the day. I, I always have my phone on silent. Um, so I get notification of calls if I need them. So for any emergency that I find just trying as much as possible to not have a pinging noise or um, to just not have that regular interruption in the day um, is really, really important for me as well. I think a big part of your transformation has been this idea of stepping into a new role. Because I know that that's something that we've talked a lot about and I've really seen you change in that area. So what I've perceived is, you know, in the beginning you were feeling more like a consultant and now you've stepped into, like really stepped into your expertise and then stepped into this role as a tech founder. Um, So what are some, I mean, how, what's your perception of, of how that transition has been? And I'm curious if you can share, if you remember some of the turning points or some of the things that helped you to embody those new roles. Yeah, um, I distinctly remember actually an exercise that uh, you and I did together um, a while ago, and that was identify all of those bits of your business. So imagine if you're in an organization, you would have a finance team, you would have a marketing team, you would have a tech team. What are all those things that your business does and needs on a day-to-day basis? And it might not be every day, but what is all the support functions in your business and what do each of them need every day or every week and so I started just creating those lists of okay so this is my admin team and this is the finance team and this is the marketing team and this is the sales team and how much time am I spending in each of these areas each week and working out what are the actual activities that sit under each of those areas and I just started taking a step back and I think you know even as a coach I often will say to my clients if you can just lift your head up for a second and look out just stop looking down at the paper or stop looking down at your feet and look up and out what else can you see give yourself that perspective give yourself the opportunity to have a vision um I think that it's those sorts of activities of, you know, what are all these bits on your paper, but just take a step back for a minute and where do you want to get to? And at the moment you're drowning in your paperwork of, you know, whether it be your finances or whether it be your marketing or whether it be your tech side, you know, setting up a website, for example, what are all those things that actually you're working in it at the moment? You're in all the detail, lift your head up just for a moment and where do you want to get to? And I think it was it's those sorts of, well, that's an activity that I did, you know, putting it all down on paper, but taking that step back and really being able to look out and think, but what's the vision and where do you want to get to? And how are you going to get to that? I think those moments that I was able to have, particularly this year of saying, well, I want to get over there. You know, I'm, I'm looking at some trees right now. I want to get to those trees and beyond. How am I going to get there? And it's not going to be by me, you know, sorting through all of my admin today. It's actually, I've got to do some things to get some customers. I've got to do some things to get some some development happening on um, the software. What are all those things? And oh, I can't do them. I need other people to come in. So um, it was definitely moments of just lift your head up. And what else can you see beyond just the here and now and just down on that piece of paper what where are you heading and keep bringing yourself to that point of focus on 
your vision and how are you going to get there as opposed to what are all the little things that I need to do today it's about keep thinking right I don't need to be that person who's coding I really don't um and maybe I had to for you know a couple of hours one day but actually I need to get someone else who can do that because what's more important is the product needs to get out to market how do I need to what do I need to do to get it there um and what is the support that is going to get it there because I can't I can't build software I need someone else to do that um and it's every step of the way thinking where are we trying to get to and what's that vision Mm, it's it's so much of a dance I find um, (laughs) in the beginning of businesses because you don't have necessarily the resources to hire all the people you know to Mm. hire all those different roles Mm. and so you are doing wearing lots of hats and doing lots of things but I think what you said is so important to keep stepping back and be like wait I am the CEO I do need to have the vision where's the vision where are we going Mm. okay now that I know that I might need to spend a few hours actually in the weeds doing the stuff yeah but yeah reminding yourself that that that's a role that you're temporarily filling and that's not really your role in the business, your most important role in the business, which is yeah. as the founder. Yeah. I did hear actually, just as you were saying that, um, that dance, that idea of a dance. And I heard um, a CEO once describing the role of a CEO and a founder as those roller coaster of emotions because some days are really high some days you're winning at life and you're winning in your business and you're so excited and other days it is hard and it is so so hard because quite often we are alone and it is thinking who do I even have to talk to about this and it's when you are in the weeds thinking oh my gosh I'm drowning in all of this um, it's so, so easy to feel overwhelmed. And that roller coaster of when it's high, it's high. And when it's low, it's really low. And finding that balance, I think, is like critical for each day to think, okay, today isn't a great day. Tomorrow's a new day, but what do I need to feel balanced today? I think has also been really helpful in just getting out of the weeds sometimes, you know, that there are the highs and there are the lows, but where's the balance and making sure you have balance each day just to get through. Mm, yeah, that's great advice. I think for me personally, it's been helpful just recognizing that there is the roller coaster. Once I yeah. identified, I mean, there's always the roller coaster, but in the beginning, you just get swept up in it and you're up and down and should I quit or, oh my gosh, it's amazing or like whatever. And at some point you realize, oh, this is just, there's just a roller coaster and then you don't have to attach to it quite so much. And I found that it's helped me to just, yeah, like you said, like ride the waves, flow with it rather than getting like so swept up in these emotional highs and lows. You know, it still happens from time to time, but I'm better at recognizing, oh, this is just the roller coaster. Let me go outside and take a walk or like, let me go meditate and just yeah. <laughs> like pull myself, <laughs> pull myself back. Um, so this might be too early to ask this question, but um, I always like to ask in my interviews, you know, if you could go back and give yourself some advice when you were just starting the well-being games or just starting this transition what would you tell yourself wow um I hadn't thought about what I would tell myself I think it's definitely just keep going you know all those days of self-doubt just keep going and just keep putting it out there 
what you actually want this to be and keep manifesting those thoughts. Um, there's definitely something around just trying to get that support in there sooner. I think um, in the very early days, potentially, I, I wasn't thinking about long-term and I, I found a developer who could short-term help me. And then I, I didn't actually think about, well, what am I gonna do longer term? Because I need someone to continue to work on the product for the next six to 12 months. And I, I didn't have that person or those people. Um, I kept getting different developers. And I think if, if I could go back then on a very practical level, I would find a developer who will be able to continually work and trust that it will be okay. Um, because I think in those days I was thinking, oh, I, I just don't want to spend loads of money and I don't want to have someone um, who's not doing anything. But actually to have someone regularly who could work on the product from day one would have been amazing um, and would have been a lot less stressful. <laughs> Oh, Bernadette, thank you so much for being here and sharing so openly. And I feel like because we're still, I mean, you're still early in the journey of the well-being game. So I think we'll have to have you back later in a couple Ooh. of years and we can see all the amazing success that you've had. <laughs> so so to tell people um, where they can learn more about the well-being games, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. So if you would like to check out our website, we are www.thewellbeinggames.com. And we have um, an Instagram handle, which is Wellbeing Games, and LinkedIn at The Wellbeing Games. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook also. Um, but if you want to check out um, Be Well With B, that is my personal handle also. Um, I don't post as often as I would like to. As I said before, I'm not great with social media, but um, I really, really love just talking about well-being and finding out about how things are going for other people and what they're trying and what's working and what's not. Um, so, and I would love to come back on your podcast again, Amanda, and tell you how successful the well-being games have been. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Bernadette, for being with us today. Thank this you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can find the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneur.com. And if we're not already connected on Instagram, come over and connect with us there. We're at Wellpreneur and we'd love to share tips and strategies to grow your wellness business, inspiration and motivation, and some sneak peeks behind the scenes here at Wellpreneur. So hope to see you over on Instagram too. Okay, that's it for us this week. And we'll see you back here very soon with the next episode episode.